Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with us today is Joe Walsh. No, not the guitar player. <laughs> Although, Joe, do you play guitar? I don't, but I'm an Eagles fan. There you go. So Joe Walsh, former Republican candidate for president and a former member of Congress and an outspoken critic of Donald Trump. When we come back, we'll have with us Mr. Joe Walsh. Stick around. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Caraman. With us is former Republican Congressman Joe Walsh, uh, who's sitting cozy in Chicago. How's the weather there, Joe? By Cold, the man. Two feet of snow on the ground, Brian. <laughs> well, that's that's a normal summer day in Chicago. <laughs> they don't call it the Windy City for nothing. Uh, so what we want to talk about, and Joe, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I There have been numerous... Uh, talks about where the Republican Party goes next. And uh, you ran for president. You originally supported Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, you got a lot of grief uh, in the press. I'm looking at some of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so let's talk a little bit about that first. You took grief uh, as a member. You talked at CPAC. You're in the Tea Party, right? Yeah. And uh, today, some of the stances you take would actually be a, 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 a moderate compared to where we are. <laughs> um, but wh why did you take, why, why do you think you took the heat? You know what, it was, Brian, it's so funny. Before, I mean, I went to Congress in 2010. I was part of that Tea Party wave. I'm a Tea Party conservative. And before Trump, Republicans were judged on where they stood on the issues. And then Trump comes along and it's all about where do you stand on Trump? So I'm still generally the same guy on the issues. I just grew to abhor and then oppose Donald Trump. And man, once you do that as a Republican, you're done. Yeah, well, that doesn't take long to abhor what he does. But, uh, but when people ask you, for example, climate change, uh, yeah. where do you fall on that? Uh, it's real. We contribute to it. And the Republicans got to wake up to it. This is one of those issues where I've seen the religion over the last six to eight years. Um, but again, Trump and, and the party believe it's a hoax. And as long as that's the case, we're going to be on the outside looking in. What about immigration? You know what? I am a, I, I'm what you would call, Brian, an immigration hawk. Now, what the hell does that mean? That means I welcome my arms to anybody who wants to come here, as long as you come here legally. So come here legally, and I don't give a damn what color or what religion you are. Well, and what about paths to, you know, like Ronald Reagan himself had, you know, and uh, uh, Bush said there should be paths to 
yeah. legalization. Are you for those? Or are you just saying at the door, you got to come in the right way or you can't come in at all? At the door, you got to come in the right way. Um, the interesting exception to this, Brian, is the dreamers, the, the kids who were brought here through no fault of their own. They need a permanent situation. America is their home. That's another issue where I've kind of learned and moderated my stance a little bit. But look, then, then the problem is, and Biden introduced his immigration yesterday. Yeah. Outside of the dreamers, we've got anywhere from 11 to 20 million people who are here illegally. Uh, I, I think, you know, just offering them a pathway to citizenship right now, I think would be a deal killer. I don't think that's what most Americans support. What about, you know, until the Simpson-Mazzoli Act in what, 86, I think it was, yeah. it was it was illegal for them to be here, but it wasn't illegal to hire them. And there exactly. is still, and there are still not many sanctions against larger corporations. One of the reasons why they come here is because they get hired. So if you want them to come here the right way, does there not have to be a method by which you go after large corporations and go, look, you got to quit enticing them here. If you, if you bingo. want. Brian bingo and my former party, the Republican party, has always been loath to go after business. Yes. Right. A absolutely. And business. And, and so it's it's the people who come here who pay a price and business doesn't. We do need to go after business for hiring them. Look, in general, Brian, the, you know as better than I do, our immigration system sucks. It's complicated. It's too damn difficult to come here legally. We've got to make it easier for people to come here. Yeah. Um, work visas, we got to make easier and then just be tough at the border. Well, I mean, it, the real, <laughs> it was when the oil economy crashed in Mexico in the 70s yeah. that led to unforeseen un illegal immigration in the 80s. It's dissipated a lot since then to the point where I don't even understand why you had the wall. I mean, that was just seemed to me like a, a huge publicity stunt that did absolutely nothing when actually what the border patrol was talking about is look, we need more people uh, exactly. on the border. Uh, you know, exactly. we've got facilities, we need more people. And the real problem isn't that illegal immigrants are, are coming or, you know, undocumented workers uh, are, are coming across. It's that we're not able to adequately police our border against the uh, very serious problem. And that's the influx of illegal drugs and and yeah. other nefarious materials. And, and Brian, you're right. Like every other issue, Trump, every issue Trump touches, he just dumbs down. This issue of immigration's complicated. All he did five, six years ago, he came onto the scene and said, I'm gonna build a wall and Mexico is gonna pay for it. And that's all, <laughs> yeah, that's all he could talk about was the big stupid wall. And that's all he did. It, it's a much more complicated issue than that. Yeah, it is. And, and, and we, we love the look for the last 40 years. We have loved to look at it. I don't think there's been a serious, real serious attempt to look at it <clears throat> since the Reagan Bush era and definitely not since uh, the Simpson-Mazzoli Act. I think I, I give Biden credit for wanting to take it on uh, because I do think there's some room here, especially, Brian, when we talk about the dreamers, those kids who were brought here against their will. I think both sides can find a compromise and give them a permanent solution. One of the problems that uh, Trump had, uh, other than you know inciting an insurrection at the Capitol, <laughs> um, was he 
he said, and I was, look, I've covered riots and protests. I was in Ferguson. I was at the Capitol. I was in uh, Lafayette Square yeah. when, when that went down. <clears throat> and he always attributed it to Antifa and Black Lives Matter. And I'm, I'm look, I was there, all right? <laughs> I, I've never known anyone, I, I mean, you might say everyone who landed at Normandy in 1944 was Antifa because yeah. we were there to go after the fascists. So I don't know, I, I've never been able to quite identify who it is that he's talking about. Um, but when he talks about what happened on the 6th versus what happened in Lafayette Park, I, I do you think that it, he was fair to Black Lives Matter? I mean, you've been, you have changed your support of that. Do you think that he was accurate when he said it was a Black Lives Matter and Antifa who who spurred this on? No, and, and the difficulty, no, he's not, Brian. And the difficulty with him, and you covered him for four years. Every time he opens his, he lies. Every time he opens his mouth, he lies. And you combine that with the fact that he really doesn't understand anything. So he throws out stuff like going after Black Lives Matter and Antifa just to rile up his base. He, it's so interesting, Brian, in four years politically, he made no effort, no effort to reach out to the rest of the country. Yes. All he wanted to do was get his people pissed off and get them out to the polls. That's why he talked about things like Antifa. Well, he, but he painted a lot of people, you included, tarred you with that same brush. Yeah. I mean, there are those in the media who have said that, look, you're a problem. That you, you know you're you're far right you're a Tea Party you're you're a racist you're going at you're you're the, you're Trump, uh, I mean, you saw well, that? No, no, and 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 I guess the best answer to that, Brian, is uh, I helped lead to Trump. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, when I primaried him a year or two ago, I had to apologize almost every day for the things I said that helped lead to Trump. I think, Brian, I think Donald what did you Trump do that led to Trump. Well, I think, I think two things led to Trump. Um, you know, like I know, most of his support is middle-aged, older white people. That's yes. it. That's the yes. Republican base. And these people, Brian, were pissed off about how much their country was changing. They wanted to stay in 1954 America. Now, the party ignored them for years. And then along came the Tea Party, Brian, 10 years ago. And yeah. we kind of riled these people up, got them to a fever pitch. So then in 2016, Trump comes along. He's a demagogue. He lied to them. And over four years, he radicalized them. But primarily, we're talking about middle-aged, older white people who have been angry and scared about how the country's changing. And the party ignored them. And Trump lied to them. I, I agree with you there. I think, but <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong, because yeah. I have been on occasion, but <laughs> I, I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. Uh, but the, but the, when I speak with those voters and I, you know, I have, and I sit down and look, some of my, some of my in-laws are, yeah, yeah. are, are those voters. And when you sit down and you break down what they're angry about, they think they're losing their rights. But when it really boils down to is that they're losing their privilege. They didn't understand that they had it. So, that so that's, yeah, that's pretty close, Brian. I'm in a unique position because I come from Trump's world. 
I voted for him in 16. The same people who voted for Trump sent me to Congress. Uh, Trump supporters used to love me. They listened to me on the radio. I still engage with thousands of them a day. And you're right in a sense that they're angry about partly their rights, partly their privilege, but it's like this country that they believe in, primarily a white country, right. where the job in town, the plant is still in town, and you can say Merry Christmas, and men married women, and women married men, and you had two different genders. All of these things they still cling to. And oh, by the way, there's a wall on the border and black people and brown people can't come in. They cling to these things. And instead of educating them, Brian, the party pretty right. much ignored them. Or, so or they, as you said, Bush, uh, I mean, not Bush, but they ignored him. But Trump uh, gave him, brought him exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Brian, when Donald Trump first came on the scene and he said, pardon my language, I'm going to build a fucking wall and Mexico's going to pay for it. Everybody in the Republican Party laughed when Trump first said that. I went on the radio that day and a hundred out of a hundred people said, finally, somebody's listening to me. I realized right then how scary it was, the connection he made to them. Yeah. And I think part of that is our fault in the media. I think we did a piss poor job of explaining facts. I think that there's fewer reporters. There are fewer reporters now than when I was, uh, you know, yeah. a young reporter, and uh, they're not that well educated. <laughs> they're not. They're not well versed in in, in the uh, issues, and we don't push back enough. Uh, we've got well, the idea. And, that, and Brian, I will yeah. say, and you and I maybe are roughly the same age. You've got a lot of younger. I'm reporters. still 19. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You are to me an anomaly. We've got a lot of young reporters who aren't in touch with how a lot of people out there feel. I know you do because yeah. you engage with these folks. Yeah. Well, part of the problem, yeah, with the press is that we go to school. It's that, you know, there is that elitist yeah. mentality and, you know, we don't engage. I would like a lot more of the White House press corps before they come to the White House. They should spend a couple of years working a city hall beat. Or, or working a state legislature beat yeah. or, you know, <laughs> working a crime beat. <laughs> that's where you have to see people in the real world. I think it would make them better reporters, but that's just the old editor in me. And, and unfortunately, I think you're right. I think we are about the same age. I, I think I'm a little older, but you, but you Trump, have more hair than me. <laughs> but Trump, Trump took advantage of that, Brian. Yeah. He, he was, he called you all the elites and you're all CNN and you're all fake news. And that just fed his following. Well, and he, and he pushed and, you know, I was given grief and I, I don't really much care, but you know, I, said that <laughs> I was given grief by the administration, but by some other reporters that said, why are you pushing back? That's, we should just sit there. And I'm going, no, that's not my job. I, I don't give, you know, uh, yeah. you know, Sam Donaldson was my mentor. Helen oh, <laughs> you know, Thomas was my mentor. You know, the, those people didn't just sit there. Yep. <laughs> Helen yep. gave him grief and so did Sam. So, you know, I'm there to give you grief. I, and if I like you, I'm going to give you more grief than if I don't, because if my views can't uh, see the light of day or, uh, you know, be uh, examined, then what the hell, maybe I'm not, you know, I should change my beliefs. You're so, a throwback, man. Yeah, I know. At, at, at times I feel it, but, 
<laughs> you know, it's bad, it's bad. But you know, um, <laughs> what I what I look at when I look at what happened over the last four years, and um, is you are right, you took a hit. There were other uh, Jeff Flake who I interviewed yeah. and talked to. He took a big hit. And while he told me that he believed in certain things that Trump believed, he could never believe in the mean-spirited nature of Donald Trump or his racist attitude or his misogynistic attitude, and that you could be conservative without being an asshole. <laughs> yeah. But that was the one thing that I remember, you know, from him. And I interviewed him um, and profiled him like within the first six months of the Trump administration. And so when I gave pushback, the pushback that I gave, I remember him and Donaldson and, and Helen, but it was, to me, I, I, I wonder if people grasped what Donald Trump was when he first hit the national scene. No, I don't think so. And, and, did you? And Jeff, no, I did not. It, what's weird, Brian, is, and, and screw me, I didn't pay enough attention to him until after he got elected. I honestly didn't take him seriously. I, I wish I had. If I had, Brian, I wouldn't have voted for him in 16. But the minute he got elected and I realized how much the guy lies, it was that. And then it was he it, to me, he was a traitor. And the final straw, yeah. that was Helsinki when he stood with Putin in Hel in summer of 18 and he put his arms around Putin. I mean, that was the final straw as far as I'm concerned. So it always went more than just his character. Yeah, he's a bad guy, but he's above the law. He acts like a king. Uh, yeah, I and remember. I found him to be traitorous. When, what was the first straw? When did you first, after you voted for him, when did you think, maybe I, I made a wrong decision here? I, you know what, Brian, pretty quickly, because I was on the radio all over the country and the radio, the company I worked for said, we got to support Trump. All of our talkers, you've got to say nice things about Trump. From the beginning, they told us that. I couldn't do that. So they busted my balls every week. But it, it was when I started to pay attention to him. And I realized how much he lied. And yeah. I don't care what your politics are. We can never condone a president who lies like he does. So I, I went south on him pretty quickly. I, I For me, it was, uh, well, I, you know, I, I didn't pay much attention to him either, because I always thought he was like a <laughs> Honestly, until he came out and started to run for office. And the moment he made fun of a handicap uh, report, yeah. I was yeah. like, that's it. This guy is, I'm done with this guy next. And so my- But did you, did you back then realize, Brian, that this guy could win? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I realized he could win from the moment, he, really, he got in the race because he got so much oxygen. Yeah. He got so much and people looked at him as a freak show, but they were giving him all the attention and yeah. the more attention he got, the more wi the wilder his accusations, the wilder his statements became, the yeah. more attention he got. It was, yeah. it was a never, and, and we didn't really, you know, it's like, I, I don't think the press did a very good job of pushing back against him. And I don't think we did a very good job of covering him. We covered him as if he were a freak show and didn't yeah. take him seriously. Yeah. And that was our big mistake leading up to the election. <clears throat> After he got in office, I think we we sobered up real quick. But it, yeah. but there were people who still didn't push back enough. And 
you know, I, I don't know, you, you grew up in Chicago. I, I grew up in a, in a town where by God, you know, the bully, if he came and, and started playing bully, you stood up to the bully. Bingo. And we didn't do that in the press. We, we kowtowed to him way too much. And, and my former colleagues in Congress, these Republicans never did that as well. And they had one, they kept feeding the monster and he kept getting stronger. Yeah. What do you think of those who didn't vote for impeachment the second time around from the Republican Party? Um, look, I think, and we'll get into it, it's Trump's party, uh, yeah. period. There's there's no civil war in the Republican Party. It's his party. People like me are on the outside. Liz Cheney is going to have a hell of a time getting reelected. Um, that's just the way the party is now. What about Mitch McConnell? Well, I mean, he just got reelected, but yeah, I, I, again, I think he made a mistake because I don't think he has a constituency, Brian. Uh, I hear from these people every day. Republican voters are with Trump. They can't stand McConnell. Nobody can stand McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he was the very first, uh, I've told this story a couple of times, he's the very first politician I interviewed outside of my own family. Oh, wow. And my uncle worked with him in the early 60s or mid 60s in uh, Jefferson County, Kentucky, when both yeah. of them were Republicans and trying to take over the uh, Republican Party in the state. And Pete came to me and he said, listen, you're going to interview McConnell tomorrow, right? And I go, yeah. And he goes, you need to know that uh, Mitch McConnell is about one thing. And I said, what's that? And he goes, Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. And that, so he's not swayed from that since 1979. He, yeah. Mitch McConnell is about Mitch McConnell. He routinely polls in the lower 20s and teens and still gets reelected. And still gets reelected. You're right. But outside of Kentucky, he's got nothing. And again, Trump's yeah. a goof. I don't know how he'll play this, but he's got the power in that relationship right now. Yeah. And... and you know, McConnell had it until he decided to vote for, um, you know, for acquittal. You're right. Had, had he voted the way he might have voted, he would have taken four or five or six senators with him and it would have really made a difference. And Brian, and if he'd have forced that trial a lot earlier, maybe yep. even when he was still in the majority, there was a week to 10 days there where even Republican Party voters were wobbly on Trump after the insurrection. And then the Republicans let him go and now his support has strengthened again. They had a window there to take and, him out. And they didn't. They didn't. They, they blinked. Yeah. And I think the Democrats blinked when, uh, about calling witnesses, but- Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, why do you think that? Uh, be, because again, it, 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 it's just a political thing. They were winning the argument and there's nothing more powerful than the American people hearing witnesses actually speak. Uh, they could yeah. have dragged it on for another just two to three weeks and it would have been unbelievably powerful. I'm not saying he would have been convicted, but politically it would have killed the Republicans. Yeah, that's and that's what I want to talk about in the second block is where does the Republican Party go from here? But when you take a look at all the things that Donald Trump did while in office. Um, to me, far, the, the worst thing was the January 6th insurrection. I mean, I, I, I don't know how you felt about it, but what did you think when you saw what was happening at the Capitol that day? 
I was watching it here on TV, uh, having worked in that building. Uh, Brian, I openly wept. I don't know if you did. I yeah, watched I did. these images. I openly wept. And then I got fucking pissed off, really yeah. angry. Yeah, I did. You know, I was there. And at one point in time, I saw those people crawling up the wall. Yeah. <clears throat> and I said, <laughs> and here's how stupid they were. I said, you realize there's steps right over there. You don't have to crawl up the wall. And they said, you're, you're the animal, you're the people. And then one guy fell and broke his freaking neck right in front of me. I was like, they were dumb. And it, I, was, I, it, it was an insurrection. It may not have been the smartest insurrection. No, it was, well, if it had been a smarter insurrection, the results would have been different, I think. Exactly. But, um, you know, like everything else Donald Trump manages, he, he mismanaged an insurrection. Exactly. He, could, he couldn't do exactly. that right. But it was yeah. very frightening to see um, that, like you, I, I have always held that building in reverence and yes. what it represents and the fact that, you know, what has gone on in that Capitol, the Confederate flag had never flown in that Capitol until that day. And we saw something, Brian, we've never seen before. And if that didn't shake somebody up, that, that, that person needs help. That was startling. Yeah, I, I think we can all agree, no matter how we fall on on the issues, that the one thing that that represented was uh, antithetical to the precepts of the United States. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So uh, we're going to take a short break and we'll come back. Tell me how you fix the Republican Party. <laughs> we'll be right back. Well, time to pay the bills, folks. And this one, I, I don't mind doing. If <laughs> I actually have actually used this. If this 2020 holiday season feels like it's been a long time, come and make it worth the wait with Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks makes the perfect gift for family and friends or to treat yourself. All shipped directly to your door. They offer everything you need to bring families together for a delicious holiday feast. Okay, or maybe not. Maybe just a delicious festival. Uh, their deluxe grillers assortment package includes a variety of entrees, sides, and desserts. Right now, you can get this mouth-watering package. I, I've never actually seen a mouth water. Oh, well, anyway, plus four free burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. And we all need a good meat thermometer. And exclusive price only available to uh, our listeners. So go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code QUESTION into the search bar. Get a jump on gift shopping with Omaha Steaks. You know, Omaha Steaks isn't just a steak. It, it's actually a, a lot of them. It's a fantastic gift and a safe way to share the joy of the season with Omaha Steaks. Guaranteed quality and safety with every order. Order the Deluxe Grillers Assortment Package today, and you'll receive four free Omaha Steak Burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. That's just a great straight line I won't use. When you go to omahasteaks.com and type question in the search bar, that's omahasteaks.com and type question. And if you need to spell it, it's Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N in the search bar. And you'll shop for the best gourmet gifts of the season. I, I like a good raw steak, so uh, enjoy it. It is a lot of fun. Hi, it's Just Ask the Question. I'm back. I'm your host, Brian Karam, and with us is Joe Walsh, uh, who's going to show me how to play guitar later for, uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, former congressman and 
ran against Donald Trump briefly, uh, briefly. Uh, during his reelection effort, although you voted for him in 2016. I guess, Joe, the, the question is, look, um, what should, I, I, you know, I ask this of Democrats all the time and I get a variety of answers. <clears throat> and I ask this of Republicans and I don't often get an answer. So I'll, since it's just asked the question, I'm gonna just ask you the question. What should the Republican Party look like? What should it be? What should be its theme? What does it stand for? Wow, it, uh, that's so interesting, Brian, because look, I'm a lifelong Republican. I left a year ago. Nobody's ever asked me that question. Um, what it should be is a party that stands for freedom, opportunity, and a more limited government. I mean, basically the deal is, and I taught American government, Republicans and Democrats both love this country. We disagree on how much government should be used to fix our problems. A good, healthy Republican party should be advocating for a more limited government role when it comes to our issues. But freedom and opportunity for everybody, uh, that's certainly not what the party is all about now. No, it, well, when you talk about limited though, let's hit that issue because you know, the, the Republicans were a progressive party uh, up until, well, after after um, Teddy left. Yeah. I mean, it was the most, pro I mean, it, it yeah. was progressive to the point that, you know, they didn't like slavery when the Democrats did, you know. It, that was the party of the people, the grand old party, and it was a progressive party, and then it changed. And so when they talked about limited government, it always seemed to be limited for social issues, but expansive for military. And for exactly, Brian, exactly. You know, you're right. And I came of age with Reagan. So yeah. that's the that's the Republican Party that I grew up with. And you're right. It is a party that was big, strong military cut back on all these domestic programs. Uh, my voting record in Congress and I was always a Republican that was, you know, limited military as well. I'm more libertarian. But that strand, Brian, of Republicanism is gone. I believe in free trade. I mean, Trump is the antithesis of that. Yeah, he, no, he, he said fair trade. And he, he upset a lot of free trade people with his and, 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 and Brian, the issue you and I talked about, immigration. I'm, I, I, I'm a big, uh, I'm anti-illegal immigration, but I'm someone who wants to welcome as many legal immigrants as possible. In today's Republican Party, uh, under Trump, Tom Cotton and the rest, they want to limit legal immigration. Well, and some of the, and when you talk about limiting government, the argument has always been that the limited government only, there, it's, it's capitalism for the, the masses, socialism for the rich, and the limited government, by and large, supports the top 1%. And that's what the Republican Party has become. And, and I can't deny that, Brian, because most of the Republicans I served with, they were just fine with corporate welfare. And yeah. they go after all of the welfare for lower and middle income Americans. Look, I, I, I got elected in 2010. And when I got elected, I think our debt was $12 trillion. I got elected because we were bankrupting future generations. That's still a big part of what animates me. Now we're up to $28 trillion in debt. Somebody's going to pay this back. I think both parties are in denial about the debt. Yeah. And so how do you deal with the rich becoming richer? Because in the, when Eisenhower, during the Eisenhower time, 
the separation between a CEO and the guy who's working the floor, the, the, the difference wasn't that great as far as, you know, nobody was living in the gated communities if they were the CEO. Today they are. Uh, we can't, ro- we, we make pains not to raise the minimum wage saying it'll hurt the economy and hurt jobs, but the top 1% certainly has no problem getting money. How does the Republican party, how do you, all right. So the Republican party today has been accused of racism, misogyny, and caring for the rich. And how, first of all, let's, we're talking about the rich. How do you deal with that first? How do you deal with, if you're a Republican, how do you deal with the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer? It's actually, it's a fascinating issue, Brian, because under Trump, the Republican Party weirdly has been become more of a working class, white working class party uh, because Trump has fed their grievances and their resentments. I, oh, Brian, they're the pro- I would I would say that they're the proletariat that keeps that that you know, keeps it running, but it still benefits the very rich. The, oh, the totally. People, yeah, the people who support them. <laughs> I don't understand that at all because they're voting against their own self interest. Well, because he appeals to their um, some of the things we talked about earlier, maybe some of their bigotry and some of their fears, not their economic. And he also lies to them about their economics. I mean, I'm going to bring coal back. How many times did Trump say that? Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and by the way, Brian, Trump's tariffs have destroyed farmers and hurt manufacturers in this country. So he's actually hurt the working class. Look, yes. when it comes. When it, when it, and you're right, the one legislative success he had early was his BS tax cut, which did go to primarily the, the rich. rich. Yeah. Which, if I were in Congress, I would have opposed because they didn't need a tax cut. Now, I would argue, Brian, our corporate tax rate was higher than the rest of the world. It was good to bring that down, but the wealthy didn't need his tax cut early on. So what would you do to address the disparity of wealth? What should the Republican Party do to address the disparity in wealth? I don't believe when it comes to the disparity in wealth that we can ever be in a place, and I don't think you'd advocate for this, where we limit what wealthy people can make. You know, God bless if a wealthy, I mean, Jeff Bezos is worth what, like $200 trillion? Um, what are you going to do? Are you going to say that he's worth much? he's worth more than several countries? But he really is, which yeah. Brian is wild. But what can you do? You can't limit what that man makes. By the way, no. that man has provided a great service to millions of Americans. The only way you can do anything about the disparity is bring people down here up. Now, I don't think you do that by automatic by having some sort of guaranteed livable wage. I don't think the federal government, Brian, can determine that. Somebody in Mississippi and New York City, man, the cost of living is so much different. Yeah. So what do you do? Yeah, that's got to be to me, that's got to be a state by state thing. I think the minimum wage should be a state by state thing. I think generally, I believe in the free market, make the market better. I mean, grow the economy, make more opportunities, don't penalize success, raise all, try to raise everybody from the bottom. So when you talk about like guaranteeing them a wage, so I understand that. So if you, um, are, are wanting to build jobs, do you embrace the Green Deal? Well, 
we have to embrace elements of the Green Deal because 100 years from now, Brian, you and I are not going to be sitting here having this conversation. Oh, well, it'd be nice if we were. (laughs) God, imagine what we would look like. Um, Because, hey, hey, climate change is real. And we've got to find ways now to deal with it. It's not all of AOC, Green New Deal, the heavy hand of government. I mean, look, look. But it does create some, studies have shown that if you embrace some of the new Green Deal, that uh, that it does create jobs. That, oh, I and, agree with that. And that and, would and, and, help grow the economy. No, right? And I agree with that, Brian. And look, I, I mean, we, we do need to transition away from gas and oil. Transition. Uh, I, I, opposed, yeah. uh, I opposed Biden getting rid of the Keystone Pipeline like that. I think that's wrong. That's eight, 9,000 jobs like that. But you're right. We do need to build toward Green New Deal jobs. That's where the future is. And so that would be a plank in your Republican Party? Absolutely. It should be. And what? It, so what about the Paris Climate Accords? Absolutely. We should be back in the Paris Climate Accords. Yeah, we are. Is, and now we are <laughs> yeah, yeah. because it's a worldwide it's a worldwide problem. Now, the Accords had some issues and some problems. Right. Namely, there's there's no accountability. China and India can do whatever the hell they want. But we need to be at that table, so I'm glad we're back in it. Let's make yeah, it. Yeah, you know, that's the argument I always could not understand. Politics, it, it was not a zero-sum game, despite what uh, Newt Gingrich <laughs> wanted to introduce yeah. to, the, to the world. It is the art of half a loaf. And you can't negotiate if you're not at the table to get more. Or to, it's Exactly. So, it, I, I've never understood that. It's like, well, but that's, again, that's where Trump was screwed up. He got elected thinking America, America first. It was like America screw the rest of the world. That's no way to do it. Well, that wasn't really even putting America first. That was putting no. him first. That was his ego. If you're going to put America first, you put us at the table, at the head of the table and negotiate. It Ryan, it was always Trump first. It is a cult. And that's why I left the party. So let's talk a little bit about your uh, ideal Republican Party again that would draw you back in. So we're talking about uh, bringing down the disparity of, of between the rich and the poor uh, by increasing bringing the lower up. That would be a, a plank in your party. And that uh, addressing climate change would be a plank in your party. And, and Brian, the other big one, and you're talking jobs, infrastructure. This country has not updated its infrastructure in 60 to 70 years. Joe, I just want to take issue with you on that because I, I covered Trump for four years and every week was infrastructure <laughs> week at the White House. I <laughs> love setting you up like that, man. I love se- <laughs> what the hell? Every week, Brian. <laughs> and this week in infrastructure week, I'm going, what? <laughs> Oh my God, it, I, it was a joke, but yeah. you're right. I mean, this would be a beautiful issue if if Biden led that Republicans and Democrats can come together on, and that would lead to a lot of jobs. And then the, the other big issue, of course, is racism and misogyny and, and that. And the Republican Party has gotten that, you know, well, at least with Trump, it's often said that you don't have to be a racist to support Donald Trump, but all the racists do support Donald Trump. So this this racism that has run, you know, it's like you said, old white people in the Republican Party. First of all, you ha- I think you have to acknowledge that there is that racism. 
So uh, it, acknowledging that, and I'm assuming that you do, how do you deal with that? Oh, man, you're so right, Brian. Look, that uh, on our far right extreme, let's be honest, that's what we have. We have white supremacy over there. We have white nationalists. We have racism. What do you do about it? It's up to the rest of the party. It's up to the rest of us. It's not your problem and it's not the Democrats problem. It's up to moderate Republicans and conservatives like me to call them out strongly, to kick them out of what we are, to educate them. Trump didn't do any of that. Trump just fed them. Yeah. I mean, to the point where we have a QAnon supporter and you got both. Well, let's see, Bobert's nuts. And then uh, what's her name? Mary it, Green. It, yeah, Brian, I'm telling you, it's more pervasive than I think even you and I know. And I think there are other Republican members of Congress who are QAnon members quietly. Such as? I'm not going to give you names, but I think, <laughs> I think there are more than you think. Well, I, I, I often thought Matt Gates was, but then I just figured he's just a drunken <laughs> frat boy. But that's... <laughs> He's a goof who needs to be slapped upside the head. <laughs> yeah. but, but, I agree. But Brian, he's the, he is the face of the, the new Republican Party. More I, than I, I'm not, he is. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, he's he's the, you know, I ran into him in the White House one day and, and I said, hey, you ought to come on the podcast. You know, I've, I've had members and he goes, oh, no, if I come on your podcast, you're going to ask me questions. And I'm going, look. Well, yeah. <laughs> Brian, you're a better man than I. If I ever bumped into him, I'd want to punch him. And I don't know that I could hold back. I'm, I'm serious. Well, that's uh, he's an interesting fellow. Him and Ted, Ted, I'm fleeing the country cruise, you know. <laughs> and, did, and did you hear what Gates said last night? He tweeted that Ted Cruz should never apologize. No, he should just resign, but that's, <laughs> <laughs> there, I saw an interesting tweet about that too, that said, you know, um, what do you do when you're living in a place where your kids can't eat, there's no uh, running water and no electricity, you do what Ted Cruz did, you flee the country and, and to Mexico. <laughs> it was stunning. It was stunning that he didn't, that he's that clueless. It was stunning. I, I you know, I, I, yeah, I, I guess that's the only way to look at it is stunning. But I, it's so, to me, it was so typical of what, how, how do you, between you and I, I mean, I'm just gonna be honest, I, there, are, you know, I have members of my family, they're very conservative members who are very liberal. And I just like to give, you know, shit to everybody. So there's that. But at the end of the day, we all recognize that we're human beings, and we should be there for one another. How can I don't, to me, it seems, how do you, how can you be that person and how do as you get a, elected? As a former member of Congress, if I told my staff I was going to go to Cancun for two or three days now, my staff would have uh, probably all left me. Uh, I can't believe, maybe his staff didn't know. I can't believe somebody didn't tell him, Senator, this is going to look horrible. What would you say to Ted Cruz if you were talking to him? Would you slap him upside the head? I'd, I'd, I'd slap him upside the head, but I would say you you have, I think, I think he's done, Brian. I think this is, I think his career is done. The only way he can re recover is to say, I fucked up. I really, really screwed up. I am sorry, Texas, but he'll never do that. No, I don't. He'll try to explain his way out of it. 
They learned from Trump never to apologize. Well, and and how how did that play out for Trump? <laughs> you know, that's they keep saying Donald Trump is the party, but the if if Donald Trump is the party, when's the next time that they're going to have a, a a majority in in the Senate or the House? Well, hey, now think about this. They're, they're only, what, six seats shy in the House? Redistricting might get them the House. And always remember, Brian, uh, Trump only lost by 45,000 votes in three states. Yeah, true. And I've often said of the Democrats that no matter how low you set the bar, they'll find a way to trip under it. But true. Um, that's true. So there, there is that. But what does that say about politics in the United States, honestly. Well, agreed. And I don't I don't think Trump could ever win again, but I guarantee I don't you, if he wanted the Republican nomination in 2024, nobody would challenge him. No, and I, but I'm gonna say this, and from covering him for four years, and I put this in a column this week, he will never be president again. And agreed. I don't think he will ever run for president again. I think he would like being the kingmaker and I think he will endeavor to do that because he has learned he got he got bit pretty hard by being the guy sitting in the hot seat. He'd rather be the guy. He'd rather be the shadow president. So the guy sitting behind it. Do you think he's going to let people think for the next couple of years that he's going to run again? He is a con man. He yeah. will think he will think he will let people think whatever they want to think. And I'm sure. He's got, look, of those 74 million people that he had that voted for him, a lot of those probably wouldn't vote for him today after the Capitol insurrection. That that lost him, cost him. But there are good 20, 30 million people, I think, that are still solidly, irrevocably Trump fans who will gladly give 20 bucks a month to support their dear Donald. And that's his revenue stream. So if he can convince them that he's going to run for office, he will endeavor to do so. But yeah. I don't think he ever will. I don't think he, I don't think he liked the scrutiny. And I, and honestly, I think he's got some legal and yeah. uh, financial entanglements coming up that will destroy him. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. I agree with but, that. But we'll see. Um, so it, it, to wrap this up about your uh, Republican Party, does the Republican Party survive, or no. is it the Trump Party? No, I think. I think we don't realize it yet, Brian, but we're watching the death of an American political party. It is dying as a national party. It will be like one of these European far-right regional parties. That's what it's becoming. So what will happen? So I believe everybody else who doesn't want to be a part of that uh, will form something new in the next couple of years, some sort of party right in the middle. And what do you, well, we, you need a name. <laughs> gotta have a catchy name <laughs> it has to have a catchy name no doubt about it but something that can appeal to moderate republicans and moderate democrats it, it, you can't call it the bull moose party that, that's been no, tried that's, that's a great name though that yeah, was a great name yeah, that, i know <laughs> but i think no brian all kidding aside i think we're watching the end of this two-party republican democratic duopoly i really do well, and it was Adams who said that we shouldn't even have parties because yes. it, it, it creates uh, problems. And we, we have seen those play out over the last few years uh, exactly. But I, 
I don't disagree with you, but I just wonder how it will transmute, how it will go down. Um, and I see that the Trumplicans or the Trumpians or the Trump Republican Party, whatever you want to call it, um, will be a regional uh, yeah. threat in, in certain yes. areas. Right state of America. Yeah, and, but I don't know. Both parties have, and, and one, of the thing that, one of the things that I found um, <clears throat> interesting about Biden is he's not nearly as far left as, as other members of the party. He right. is, I think he does see that there, although there <clears throat> are extremes to the right and to the left, and that's where a lot of the money and the mouths right. come from. There is a great, greater majority of people dead set in, in the center who are conservative on some issues, liberal on others. You might consider it liberal to accept the fact that, you know, I, I don't care who you, I, I, you know, I don't care who you marry. I, you know, I don't. Um, but maybe you're more conservative on how you spend the government money. So they're, yeah. they're where they head on those issues there's a there's a place right in the middle that has um <clears throat> that biden i think is trying to push for if biden's smart brian he'll govern from that place yeah so oh and that was the other issue where would you stand in your republican party on marital rights and civil rights well we we live in a world now you again marriage is is a right anybody can marry anybody that's the world we live in god bless yeah uh, and abortion? Well, I'm pro-life, but I, I I have no I have no solution to that as an issue at all. <laughs> well, I think the Supreme Court kind of decided that issue. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I agree, and I know that plenty on my side want to return it to the states. I think that would be a nightmare. Yeah, and the other thing I'm concerned about after this last election are the Trump Republicans who are trying to engage in at the state level in uh, legislation to limit voting, voter suppression. Which, which is, again, absolutely despicable. And that's something a dying political party does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, you're, right. you're right. It's like it's like Trump is the last gasp. And they, can't, the old win white on guy. The they can't win on the battlefield of ideas, so they don't want you to vote. You know, and the one thing, I, and we'll take a break right after this, but... You know, I, I look at Donald Trump. I think he is the last gasp of that. But if you look at his date of birth and when he, he is, he is that generation after he totally, he's, totally, you know, that was the generation that protested Woodstock. Those are the people who gave us rock and roll. And they were the ones who ignited what is going on today. And Donald Trump is mired in the past of his parents and his grandparents. Totally. Totally. I, I, you know, and you and I are the tail end of that, that yeah. generation. Yeah. So that's, yeah. you know, I, I, I look at that and I just go, wow, he doesn't even get what his generation did. You know, that's, you know, the baby boomers were responsible for a lot of what we see today. And he hey, can, Brian, uh, he's an idiot. He doesn't read. <laughs> he's an idiot. He's an, I'm sorry. He's an ignorant man. He probably doesn't even know what generation he is. <laughs> you 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 know that more than I know that. <laughs> yeah, that's. I I know I've argued with him. Anyway, we're gonna take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, just ask the question, podcast listeners. 
If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, J-A-T-Q Podcast. That's J-A-T-Q Podcast. Again, that's at J-A-T-Q Podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Kierman. A few final thoughts today. First of all, Joe, thanks for being with us. Brian, Joel, this is fun. You're good. Well, thank you. Hey, you know, hey, I've been, oh, I've been told worse, you know. <laughs> but, you know, the, I'll share that story with you. The, uh, during the beginning of the Trump administration, he was not, he would come out on the lawn, South Lawn for departure, wouldn't stop. Yeah. And then um, one day as he went out, I saw him in the red tie, the white shirt, the jacket and his hair blowing. And I go, oh, my God, it's Rodney. And so as, <laughs> as he walked out, he, he just waited. And I go, I'm telling you, you know, tough room. I don't get any respect. And, <laughs> and he turned and he came over and took some questions. And then he found that he liked it and he stood and he stayed. Yeah. And then it was, you know, I, so I yeah. blame myself for that. But <laughs> But one of the uh, early, uh, one of his early staffers said uh, he wanted to know who the Rodney reporter was. Oh, geez. <laughs> and then I oh, became geez. the Playboy reporter. And then I think yeah. he just called me an asshole. So after that, was... <laughs> badge of honor, man. Badge yeah. of honor. <laughs> so let me ask you, Joe, where do you go going forward? So what I'm trying to do, Brian, is this 74 million people voted for him. I think 40 to 50 million are tied to him. Because I come from their world, I'm engaging with these people every day. I want to try to rescue them. I want to try to rescue as many of them. I'm on the radio every day. That's where they are. I'm trying to rescue some of them to get them out of that, that sea they're living in of lies and conspiracies. You say four, I say 20 to 30. You say 40 to 50. I think, think it's higher. I think it's 40 to yeah. 50 million. And tell us about your radio show. So I've got a radio show Monday through Friday, every day for a couple hours in the afternoon. I'm tr I don't know if it will work. I'm the only anti-Trump conservative in conservative talk radio. Uh, I'm not Sean Hannity. I'm not God, uh, Rush Limbaugh, rest in peace. Um, yeah. uh, but I, it's important to have an anti-Trump voice on the radio. So I, I try to just go at him respectfully every day. What's the biggest um, misconception that you deal with on a daily basis? The lies. Uh, Brian, they believe every fucking lie they've been told over the last four years. The or stolen election. You don't need to wear a mask. All oh. those reporters at the White House who wore a mask. I mean, they believe all this stuff. So I have to put truths in front of them. That's all I try to do. Well, that's a monumental task because I couldn't even do that with him. I mean, <laughs> I yeah, would sure. confront him with his own bullshit and he would go, no, I didn't say that. Well, yeah, you did. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not savable. You can't save him. But I, I do believe not all of these 40 to 50 million are lost. Not all of them. So where can we catch a radio show? Uh, really easy. Gabradionetwork.com. Gab with a G. Gabradionetwork.com. Go there. Look for the Joe Walsh Show page. You can listen to me live or the podcast every day. What do you think? Where would you like to see the country in four years? I'd like to see us having conversations. 
I hope Biden does well, and I hope he gets both sides speaking. Uh, I hope there is a new political party that has been born. And I hope, as you said a few minutes ago, we're living in these silos. I hope we're beginning to talk to each other. What do you think of the first, I mean, we're still in the first month of the Biden administration. Do you think he's, uh, I mean, I saw a readout. He he called uh, the Republican governor in, 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 in Texas and said, hey, we're here for you, baby. You know, which may not have happened if it were true. You didn't vote for me. I'm not going to help you. He didn't yeah. do that? No. <laughs> so what do you think of what he's done so far? Uh, you know, it's early. And, and, I, I, I like I like what he's doing. I he was unsure as a candidate, like he seemed shaky at times. I know he's wanted to be president forever, but there's like a confidence now about him, Brian. He doesn't stumble as much. He seems more sure-footed. He seems more confident. I think he's done well. Yeah, I think he knows what. I think some of the people around him that he's had. I'm I question some of them yes but when it comes to him um i think they're not doing him the service they should be doing him agreed i i, I, I always assumed he was only going to serve one term maybe he won't well i i i i, I don't know we're still in the first month i, I, I know I gotta <laughs> I, i'm hoping we just get through the pandemic i <laughs> you know yeah. I mean, the, the shtick i used to do with this podcast was I like to talk to people one-on-one -on -one, and I, I take my equipment wherever and just sit down and have a drink and talk yeah. to somebody. Yeah. And I, I always find that it's a, a good conversation on the issues like we're having is exactly. more conducive for everyone. If you see that people are people. So yes. trying to break down stereotypes and bullshit and go, Oh, Joe Walsh, you're a horrible piece of shit because you did this and that. And they go, why don't you sit down and talk to Joe? Exactly. You know, and now with Trump, I never had that success, but with most everyone else, you can. And so yeah. it, uh, that kind of got destroyed by the coronavirus. But I so I'm just at, at some point in time praying that we can go back to, you know, being able to talk one on one. And since I play in a band, I'd like to go back to, you know, <laughs> able to pick up the guitar in front of, you know, a couple hundred yeah. people and playing. We'll <laughs> get there. End of this year. End of this year. So to let Pete, yeah, oh, that's yeah. sooner than that, I hope. Uh, but for those who don't know you, what are your, what do you consider interests, your hobbies? What do you like to do that would, might shock somebody? To relax, I, I, I got three dogs. I wish I had 10 more. I read a lot of books. I play with my dogs. I live out in the country. I shoot my guns a lot. And I watch old movies on uh, TCM, Turner Classic Movies. What's your favorite old movie? A, a, you give me anything with Jimmy Stewart in it, Brian. Jimmy Stewart? Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> oh, Murray, your wonderful old savings alone. Murray. Hey, uh, if I said The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Oh, great movie. The yeah. Man Who Shot Liberty Valance is one of... Uh, and you know John Wayne dies in it, but John uh, Wayne dies in that movie. Yeah, that's that's a, that is a great movie. And the bad guy in it was Lee Marvin. Yes, love Lee Marvin. Yeah, that was a great that was a great movie. Yeah. So things like that. That's how I relax. <laughs> the, yeah, <laughs> you're not the man who shot Liberty <laughs> Balance. <laughs> that's the first time no. you ever heard him use the word pilgrim too. Okay, pilgrim. <laughs> 
Yeah, he, was, he, yeah, you're right. John Wayne got screwed in that movie because Jimmy Stewart ended up with his girl as well. Yeah, Jimmy Stewart ended up with everything. And, and, <laughs> and John Wayne ended up with Dick. And, that's, and, and so that, that last scene where they're riding in the train and he yeah. goes, nothing's too good for the man who shot Liberty Valance. And it oh. just kind of, it kind of just hits home that, that, you know, he was the fraud that it was John Wayne who wasn't. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and there's a great line in that movie when, oh, I'm going to botch it. When, uh, when re print the legend, when reality isn't as big as the legend, print the legend. The le yeah. Yeah. I, I think I got that wrong. The newspaper yeah. man. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> when, when, uh, when the lie and the truth, he print the lie or something, print whatever. Print the lie or something like that. But yeah. you're right, Brian, that last scene and the look on Jimmy Stewart's face yeah. when he knows I'm not the man who shot Liberty Valance. Yeah, I was, it Good was stuff. John Wayne who shot Liberty Valance. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so you're stuck on a deserted island. Uh, what three records, what three movies, what three books? Oh my God, anything, anything Tom Petty. Give me all, give me three of Tom Petty's albums. Um, give me, what'd you say, albums? Yeah, three. any three albums, any three movies, any three books. Any three uh, Tom Petty albums. Give me any three Ernest Hemingway novels. Wow. I'll, I'll, that's all I need to do is read Hemingway, listen to Petty, and then give me a golf club so I can hit golf balls. That's all I need. What, what about the movies? What oh. three movies? I would probably go with The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. I would go with Mary, Mary. I would go yeah. with It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, I, I love that movie before it became trendy. And I am a sucker for the movie Hoosiers. Remember Gene Hackman? Oh, my God. Yeah, of course. I never, Brian, I never tire of that movie. Great movie about the little guy winning, basically. The little guy winning. Gene yeah. Hackman. I love Gene Hackman. Yeah, and that's that. That is a great movie. What's your What's your What's give me, not your favorite movie, but give me one of your top three or four movies of all time. Well, it depends upon the genre. I, I guess if we're just going <clears throat> in general, um, I, I really think I like To Kill a Mockingbird is one of my favorite yes. old movies of all yeah. time. Um, I didn't like John Wayne's politics. He was a racist, but I do like a good, I, 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 I you know, I, I don't like Tom Cruise's politics, but you know, I, I, I like some of his movies, but yeah. Um, yeah. so I could, I could, I could watch something like that. You know, um, I, I, McClintock by John Wayne was always. Oh my God. Movie. Good yeah. one. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, that is a good one. I'm not gonna, I'm not, the hell I'm not, you know, he knocks a guy out. Um, but, and then sci anything science fiction, I love, I, I really good. like science fiction and comedy. I, I could watch a good comedy movie, you know, anything from It's a Mad, 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 Mad World to- Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> which was slapstick and, you blazing, know- I, Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles was on last week, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or uh, <laughs> Blazing Saddles, and I like the other Mel Brooks one um, with uh, 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 Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. <laughs> and um, what was funny is I interviewed for this show, um, I, it, it was uh, uh, Carl uh, Reiner, and, oh yeah, and his one of his best friends was Mel Brooks, and before Carl died, you know, we sat down talking with him. Very funny guy, and he was talking about how Mel would just make shit up. He was like the young guy in the room, and he would just come <laughs> out with. So he had seen 
some of the bits like in Young Frankenstein where yeah. the guy throws the, and you hear the cat going, Row! he goes, he, he did that, you know, for since he's your, your show of shows. Genius. Yeah. A genius. So cognac or bourbon? Tequila. I tequila. Only tequila. Whoa. All right. Tequila. I'll, I'll take the bourbon. <laughs> Born and raised in Kentucky. I'll take the bourbon. So, well, listen, I, I really do appreciate you being here, Jaw. It was a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again. Right. I'm a fan of what you do. I mean it, brother. You are Thank a throwback. You. You're good. You're old school and you're good. I like watching you, man. Thank you. Yeah. It's, that's just a nice way of saying I'm an old fart, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> the name of the show is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. Please join us next time.